Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode 90, I believe, of One Day Closer to Dead. I am Dave Beaudry. And I am Jason Bailey. And Jason, right as I said that, I could have sworn I just saw your entire life pass right before your very eyes. I can't believe we made it this long. Honestly, I really can't. We we really need to do something to commemorate, you know, the hundredth if if we get there. So it's uh it's pretty spectacular. I I can't when you said that I was like that can't possibly be, but I guess it is. I actually had no particular agenda or thought of, of bringing that up. It literally just popped in my head right as right as we hit the record button. So fuck it, why not? <laughs> so how you doing, Mr. Bailey? I'm, you know, I'm doing better than I have been uh, because I've got my workout back on track and some some good things are going on my end. It's, it's going to be some fun times, but fuck all that about Jason Bailey. Somebody, somebody's a year older, Dave. Who is that? Oh, you look five years older from here, Jason. I'm assuming that must be what you're referencing. It's just poor lighting. But I know somebody else who just turned 40 motherfucking one, and it sounds like they had something special happen. Would you like to share it with all the dozens out there? I got the stomach flu. That was very exciting. Um, I'm assuming that's what you're referencing. I'm not referencing that asshole. Just tell them about the no, nice it, thing it, that it, happened on there, your goddamn there, birthday. There, there was something from the asshole, but it was actually more the other, the other end that was oh causing the God, causing the problem. I can't. The, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. I try to treat you good. I, I try to bring some happiness. You're implying to your that you had life. anything to do with this. I'm just literally <laughs> want you to share your experience with the world. If you don't want to. Well, I can do it for you. It'd probably sound better. But at any rate, go ahead. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so it, it, it indeed was my uh, my birthday this past uh, Thursday. Um, I believe Mr. Bailey forgot. I feel wounded. I am wounded. Maybe I, my, maybe my, I was just thinking hurts. about myself. Have you ever that's, thought that's about fair. that? All the time. Yes. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm not kidding about the, uh, stomach flu that, that is a thing that also happened that evening. Um, so that, that was fun. Uh, fast forward a couple days and, uh, my girlfriend, Jamie had a, uh, business meeting where she had to scope out a, a location where they may put their next, uh, you know, restaurant essentially or store. I mean, it's a restaurant. It'd be a ghost kitchen if we're getting technical about it. Um, so she's like, you know, would you come with me? And I had a headache and we're still, you know, we were both kind of getting over stomach flu, but I was like, yeah, you know, I'll head over there. So, you know, I went downstairs in the, in the mall. She, you know, went up to check out this, this retail space that they were thinking of converting. And then, uh, you know, a few minutes later, she's like, okay, you know, that, you know, we scoped it out, you know, we can just kind of do whatever, uh, you know, come meet me up on the, the third floor. So I went up there and, um, turns out the, the meeting was bullshit. I was lied to. I was I was deceived. I was uh, besmirched. Uh, no, I was not besmirched. But uh, once I got up there, uh, Jamie had apparently planned this out like a, a month in advance. And um, so she had rented a theater at the AMC uh, at the mall in Burbank and uh, for a private screening of Back to the Future. And there were, I had just hit fully vac status, ironically, on my birthday on the, on the Thursday. So I, you know, because my second shot was on the 6th. So two weeks following that, the 20th, there we go. Uh, so she was well aware of what the, that timeline was. So uh, she had reached out to, you know, multiple friends of mine um, and gotten a group together, you know, that had been vaccinated or, and, you know, were, you know, healthy and, you know, following all the proper protocols and whatnot. And, uh, and that group was waiting once I got up there. So that was, that was really cool. It, it very, it very much was. So I very much enjoyed it. I saw a couple friends of mine I had not seen in person in over a year since the pandemic had started. Wow. Um, you know, um, and it was, it was a great time and she worked really hard and it was really hard for her to contact people she had never met. She, she had no contact info for without me finding out about it. <laughs> so <laughs> she had her work cut thing, out. Yeah. 
She had her work cut out for her. She was like a little worried that I would get wise to it or that people would just not show up. And <laughs> like, yeah. it was, there was all kinds of variables. But um, I I was very moved and still am so. And it was a great time. And I thank her very, very much. And yeah, that was uh, that was my, my birthday surprise several days after the fact. I always have uh, the good memories of your birthday coming once a year because it was, it was like a religious ceremony of going to the Mecca, which is Buffalo Wild Wings. In Burbank, in Burbank oh, Village. Oh, yeah, we did that, too. And we then, like, too. the next day or two days later, there would always be a Six Flags adventure as well. So it was like you could make one or the other, or you could do both. So Dave's birthday, you always knew it was going to be Buffalo Wild Wings, and then there was going to be Six Flags. It was just that that's you, how that was going to happen. Or you could be Jason Bailey and do neither. <laughs> Or Jason was just too good for the whole goddamn thing. And no, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings several times. Goddamn it, I did. I talked to your writer friends and stuff like that, and I made an appearance. And so it was always a good time. I, I enjoyed it. It was good times, and I'm glad that Dave's finally, you know, into his 40s now and uh, part of the club. So welcome, Dave. And that was, a, but that's a real cool thing because that's a great. It really is. That's one of it your really favorite is. movies, and that was, you know, that's a good girl you got, man. That's that's good shit. That's good Absolutely. shit, pal. My understanding is there were there were three <clears throat> movies. Well, realistically, there were three movies she could have chosen from if she had wanted to do like Mortal Kombat or something that's like the current one that's yeah. currently playing like that would have skyrocketed the price point for one. And also like, why bother the, the three in the kind of the classics list, uh, were, let's see, back to the future, Ferris Bueller's day off and space balls. Can't go wrong with any one of those three, but I do think she chose, she, she chose, chose the, well. she chose the right one for you, but yes. goddamn space balls. That's uh that's up there, man. That's that'd be up there for me. Um, if she was picking, if she was picking for herself, she would have gone Ferris Bueller. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's a popular one too. Absolutely. But, I don't know. Good, good job. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I just, I just thought the dozens would, would like to hear a little, little slice of Dave Beaudry's life that uh, doesn't involve migraines. So there we or go. Projectile vomiting or, from stomach flu. Because I can talk about. That I for think the next we're hour, fucking Jason. totally good on that. Anyway, let me take you back to Thursday evening. We're so good it on was that. Around twelve thirty in the morning. I think we could shut that down at any time. Hey, dozens! I also want to give you a little bit of feedback out there. Your favorite niche podcast is number one in the whole goddamn planet Earth on personal journaling this week, and we're at eight hundred and twenty-eight, ranked eight hundred and twenty-eight overall podcasts. Thank you very much. We appreciate every single one of you, you wonderful motherfuckers out there. And you know, Dave, we've actually added some countries this last week that are uh, listening to us. One of them is Egypt. And thank you very much for joining us. And the other one was we had several um, cities that I can't even pronounce in the uh, Federation of Russia listening to us now. So thank you very much. Uh, number fourth of our, of our most listens in two cities is Paris, LA beat Paris this, 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 uh, last week. But, uh, thank you very much for listening to us, LA Paris. We love you very, very much and all around the world dozens. We really do. But, uh, to be number one in personal journaling, which is basically just, they don't know what else to fucking call us. It's, it's, we are the number one niche podcast of all the other niche podcasts that don't know what the fuck they're talking about too. So yay. Well, well, Jason, for the new countries and cities, what is your perception? I don't know if you'll know any more than I do, but is it because we're being like basically discovered by new people on pre-existing platforms? Or do you think that it's opening up to more platforms internationally than what it had been available before. No, because I don't know what I don't know how they're listening. No, uh, the, I I absolutely fuck when we when when we did the Dirty Dozens episode, which by the fucking way, this episode should be called the Dirty Dozens. It's been pretty much produced by all y'all out there. Um, we had China as one of the the countries that were listening to us quite a bit, and I was sort of surprised because I'm like I have no fucking clue what platform is shoving us into china's ears i have no idea but um it's definitely not because we're being picked up by more platforms to my knowledge we are picked up by as many as we could be picked up on probably about six months ago our final feather in the cap i think was audible 
that was the final big, big one because like, it's like, not to sound like, you know, Mr. Big Dick here, but honestly, when people say, well, where can I find you? That's your night job, Mr. Bailey. That's true. Stay focused. Alpha J Pornhub midnight. Um, the thing is that I can literally at this point say what all the fucking top podcasters say, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, I mean, you, we really can. We are, you can get us on anything. You can Google search us on, if you got a Safari search engine, you can just play right from the fucking search engine, our, our podcast now. So we're everywhere. So I don't think we're, that's it. We are, we are even where you get your least favorite podcast. Like if there was a podcast that you hate, you can probably find us there too. Well, just for context, honestly, I just to be thorough, I think for a lot of people that would be us. So, I mean, you know, if we can't be the best, it's an honor to be nominated, really. If we can't be the best, we sure as shit are going to be the worst. So here we are, folks. But hey, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for making us number one in this very niche podcast category. We love having each and every one of you. And honestly, like I said at the front uh, here is we could call this. Dirty Dozens Part 2, because the whole fucking thing was pretty much produced by you guys. And and you'll see as we go forward. We, we won't, though, because if we did, no one would listen to it. That's true. They'd think they'd already listened to it. We learned that the hard way. Hey, a, a couple other things is I want to congratulate Kike out there. Good, good friend, best friend, goddamn my brother, uh, a fellow unit of Universal Destiny out there is getting better each and every day from his injury and is able to walk again. Uh, so congratulations, and we we certainly are proud of you for putting in that work. Uh, Kike, I know it's the most physical effort you've ever done in your life, so good job and keep up the good work. And also our good friend and in-house Lando Calrissian, Julian King, has advised all of us to watch SNL's uh, last episode. They had a skit. Uh, about Hollywood Squares that pretty much represents at least my concerns about counter, uh, counter, uh, cancel culture uh, very well. And uh, it's supposed to be pretty fucking good. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch it. But uh, it really expresses uh, a lot of my ideas in previous episodes. It's supposed to be pretty funny. So please, thank you for that, Julian King. And that's going to be on SNL. You can definitely look that up on YouTube or NBC. I am sure that SNL was heavily inspired inspired by you jason bailey i'm sure too i'm absolutely positive of this i i at this point because of our last conversation at the beginning i've started to really understand that all of you who are listening and including you dave that's my partner in this are part of something called the jason verse it's a universe i have created where all of you are just characters in my own simulation So I know for a fact that the things that I said on those podcasts about the cancel culture absolutely are the reason why that skit happened on SNL last week. So you you don't have to bring it up, Dave. I fucking know this. I think you're lucid dreaming again. I might be in a lucid dream right now. Am I wearing pants? I don't want... I'm just going to assume... I was going to say I don't want to know, and then I'm going to change that answer, too. I'm just going to assume yes and move on with my life. I can stand up. No, that's okay. Oh. As my birthday gift, you cannot stand up. That would be great. Okay, that's your gift for me. But, uh, yeah, you. that's that's a lot of the feedback at the beginning, but, my God, there's going to be a lot of name dropping in this motherfucker because, like I said, it's uh, this is one of the laziest episodes I've ever uh, had because it, we... You, oh wow that says and that something. says something i didn't really have to do much of anything uh you guys pretty much brought the subjects and then commented on it and we're just pretty much gonna be commenting on your comments so well are you, you are you ready are you ready for us to get the show on the road <clears throat> or is there anything else we need to uh divulge discuss debate beforehand not at all i am ready to do this mr 41 year old texas is a dumpster fire oh, jason wow. did you know that you know, I can't. Most there's a group, there a huge group of listeners. Did you listen. know that? I did. Did you know why? Because did it, you know because why? it truly fucking is. Are you happy now, asshole? In, hey, man, I didn't choose the subjects. This came from you. This can't. No. So, uh, wow. anyway, Jason apparently. Really wanted to talk about how just absolutely horrible and fucked up Texas is. So therefore, as wow. per his request, uh, let's let's divulge what into it a, a little bit. What a shitster! So, oh my what? god! 
What? Oh, whatever. So apparently, uh, Texas is a big. You know, Texas has been a a gun fanatical state for a very long since its inception. Really, I don't think that's really been a or uh, anything that has changed since Texas has joined the the union. Um, now that has gone to what I think you and I would both agree are kind of an extreme example in that they are now trying to pass a law where, um, unlicensed, untrained, uh, on anything open carry is going to become law of the land. I think that's disastrous for many reasons. Uh, but Jason, because, um, this segment was so near and dear to your heart, how about, uh, how about you open us up? Well, the idea came from exactly what dave said is the idea that this bill is going to get passed this this uh, law is going to get past that everyone in texas can carry a fucking gun with no training no real background checks no real anything just you know we're we're back to the old west here in modern day texas uh is very fucking bizarre and terrifying to me uh when you know you require a lot of people to well, everyone who learns CPR needs goddamn training, for Christ's sake, to be licensed in the motherfucker. But yet we're going to let people take a life-ending instrument on the side of their hip or whatever and go wherever the fuck they want in, in the largest state we've got here in the United States of Free Enterprise. And just, you know, guns, guns, Jason. more guns, have some guns, goddamn it, guns. Jason. Yeah. Jason, it is, it is my God-given constitutional right to do CPR on someone however I goddamn well please. Well, there you go. Yeah. And if that means I shoot them right through their larynx and hope that air comes out, I guess that's where we're going. But uh, that was the, the definitely the final straw on the I'm never fucking moving there part of my brain because I don't know a lot. Of, you know, a lot of you guys are my age out there and uh, getting closer every day, Dave. And the deal is that we're always thinking, or at least a lot of us are thinking, where, where's the next chapter of my life going to be? You know, geographically, where am I going to fucking end up? Some of us think abroad. Some of us think Sweden. Some of us think our hometowns we grew up in. Some of, whatever the fuck they're thinking. And because I'm part of the hospitality universe, unfortunately, I always think about some Is that of like us, the Marvel universe. I wish I fucking wish I'm the Hulk. I'm going to smash it all up pretty soon. But the deal is that I always think about certain states and there's, you know, Florida comes to mind, maybe one day moving to Orlando or Tampa, uh, maybe out by Vegas, maybe Henderson, you know, there's a lot of places, but Texas keeps coming up on these hospitality lists that Austin and Dallas and San Antonio. And because it's just sprouting up with tons of restaurants, tons of hotels, everything yeah. that you can imagine is happening in Texas. So I've always thought, you know, that seems like a place that maybe one day, um, after I raised James, I, I might end up there. It seems like that's where a lot of my industry is relocating or, or, or popping up. And a lot of people here in Lexington say the same things that when they retire or they get a little bit older, they either want to move down to, it seems like they want to move down to Florida or they want to move to fucking Texas. I don't know, but, um, it's just very bizarre that that's been in my mind. It was never really like, Oh, I'm going to move to Austin one day. That was sure. never in my fucking head, but it was always there. Like, well, I mean, but it's Texas. That's what always go in my head. Like, well, it's fucking Texas. I don't know if I could move to fuck because of the have fucking you, people. I don't think I could do that because it's, have you spent any time in Texas? I have not. I have traveled through Texas many times and I was trapped in the Fort Worth airport one time due to fucking tornadoes, but no, I okay. have not spent a lot of time. So the thing okay. is when I saw that goddamn article and I started research, I'm like, are you just telling me that anyone of fucking that's 21 and older can just why an urban all the fuck around the goddamn state? Do you really think well, that's let me Sorry, Jason. no, no, no. Uh, let me let me let me just say something real quick on that because it's you know it's I I want to also emphasize why I think that's uh, uh, a really bad idea. So we had a mass shooting, another one. I don't know if you heard about this one yes. in San Jose today. Okay, um, and so let's assume just you know <laughs> let's just let's just go on a limb here, Jason, and say that a mass shooting happens in Texas. I know it's hard to consider. But let's just let's use our imaginations. If I, I I am all for private gun ownership to a de to a degree. Obviously, I I support gun control legislation, and you know, and I think they need to be those laws need to be more consistent across the board and across state lines and whatnot. Um, 
but I'm not, I'm not, you are, and I'm not saying this negatively. I'm, I'm repeating what I remember your stance being. You are anti-gun entirely. Yeah. If I am not. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that is a, an accurate statement. Yes, it right? is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm a little bit different in that, in that regard. And that's, that's cool. Like we can have those types of nuanced conversations. Now, the problem is I am very much anti-open carry and here's why. I think if you are in a supermarket and you have a license to carry uh, conceal, then that means ideally that you've had at least some amount of training and some amount of handling experience and at least some amount of responsibility to in order to obtain the conceal carry license. Um, so if, if somebody comes into the store and they have an assault rifle in their hands or they have a you know handgun in their hand if they something just sticking out on if they are open carrying a weapon into a place where a weapon would not normally be i.e. a supermarket or a bar or a church or whatever the hell it is i would not fault the concealed carry people from immediately seeing that and assuming that that is an active shooter if you normalize open carry then any advance notice that any victims might have that they are in danger goes away. Because then you can't assume that. And that second, couple seconds of hesitation could be what gets you killed. I don't think open carry is a good idea under any circumstances, barring, you know, I don't know, if it's like a gun rally or something or a gun show or play, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, I still think it's a dumb idea, but whatever. Fine. Have fun. Go mad. But, um, you know, open carry into public spaces. Nah, man, if you, if there's going to be, if you're going to carry, I think it needs to be concealed. And I think there needs to be licensing for that. Um, otherwise I think it's just giving, um, mass shooters of which we already have a problem. Just carte blanche to get the jump on, you know, anybody who might otherwise be taking action to protect themselves. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And then of course, you know, my, my stance goes much further than that. But I mean, the thing is I, I totally understand that, but I mean, not to, I mean, you've got even people who who in Texas who are running gun ranges and provide training. You have extremely conservative, you know, the police department saying, this is fucking horrible idea. This is not good. It's just to, to supply, a weapon that makes death an easy permanent solution and sh- and give no training, no background, no nothing is just unfucking believable. I mean, it's like the cherry on top of the what the fuck Sunday when it comes to to Texas. So what, what I guess what I'm trying to get at is that was when I I looked and went and that's that. I don't give a fuck if fucking. Disney Texas opens up and it's, you know, I'll be able to work there and become the CEO. I'm never fucking moving there. Like ever. All right. Not, not on to our next it. subject of the week. No, I'm kidding. And so the thing is that it, it opened a broader, I guess, um, subject. Why the fuck does anyone move to Texas? And I, and I'm sincere about this. Like what, what is, one. well, yeah, but what is it that fucking draws people to go to this goddamn state? And the deal is that it's, it's, I guess it's a simplification to go, well, they like the politics, blah, blah, blah. It's the money, whatever. But I wanted to say, because when I was in California, many, many people in the Oak Park area that I was living in, the Simi Valley area that we knew people from, all this kind of, you know, uppity area, they were always having these pie in the fucking sky fantasies about getting the fuck out of California. Everyone had a get the fuck out of California exit dream. And if they were going to leave the, the uh, state, okay, uh, it was either going to be Montana, Wyoming, or Texas. These were the three things that popped up again and again and again. And honestly, there was 50% of the people that I had these conversations with were conservative, and the other 50% were very, very liberal. So I was always like, what the fuck is going on here? So then to go even a step further, I said, well, hold on a second. Austin is one of our number one cities that listens to us all the fucking time. We also are listened to pretty good in Houston and Dallas too. So we love you, Texas. 
We love you. I, I Listen, we do love our listeners. I can't say I fucking love your state. But the thing is, I've just reached <laughs> out to a few people that I knew lived in Texas, and a couple of them wrote back. One of them, you know, both of them are platinum fucking listeners as far as I'm concerned. But, um, and, and I was like, why are the, why the fuck are Californians moving to Texas? And I even, you know, researched it up when they did that, the last census, California lost a, um, seat, a congressional seat because yeah. of how many people were exiting that fucking state and Texas picked up fucking two. So yep. it's it's proof positive that people are moving to Texas and moving out of California. Now, if there's a direct pipeline, I didn't know. But you will come to find out that there is a direct fucking pipeline going straight from California to Texas. And what people in Austin in particular, which is seems to be if you're leaving L.A. and you're moving to Texas, you're going to Austin or one of the fucking suburbs thereof because you've heard that it fits your liberal lifestyle or some shit. There's some mythology about Austin that that's what's going on there. So it became very interesting to me to ask the dozens. And I can say that when I lived in California, particularly not until I had James, once we had fucking James, I realized I don't want to raise my kid here. I, this was good for me. This was good for being single. This was good for being married. This is not good for being married with a kid. I did right. not want to raise James in L.A. or even California at all. A lot of it was the culture, believe it or not. And a lot of it was the money. The, the cost of living was fucking out of control. You can just have a better life just about goddamn anywhere, to be, to be very honest with you. And then on top of it, and the finality was fire season, which were, right. it was happening eight or nine months out of the year by the time I left. And then the next year, Oak Park did go up in fucking flames. So, you know, it's just very interesting. But that was my I'm just going to say, so did, so did Cody's wedding. And the commonality in those two things, Jason, was you. You know what? I just, I just don't even have anything to say to you any further. I, I sometimes you just, <laughs> since when you just you just really hey so anyway i reached out to all you listeners out there and i've got so much to fucking read like i said this this motherfucker is pretty much been produced by you but i asked one of our wonderful platinum uh listeners out there one of one of the platinum dozens uh this is wonder kennison wonder kennison i said you know i basically told her i said hey do you have any thoughts or do you, have, you, have you pretty much recognized that there's some exodus of Californians moving to Texas or possibly Austin specifically where you live? And do you have any, do, do you have any insights on there or have you even noticed that? And she, <laughs> Wonder Kinnison writes back, uh, yeah, like Moses and the flood doesn't even compare to this mass exodus. Um, this, is, this is how it went. She goes, the Californians that are moving here are distinctively different than usual Austin folks. You have to remember, I'm getting ready to read this, that Wonder Kennison is liberal. Here we go. Mm -hmm. She says, they're impatient. They're rude. A culture of rude even I have had to stop and do cartoon head shakes at. They seem to have an obscene amount of money. They do not like to socialize in any way but a West Coast kind of way. It's the only kind of way I can explain this. They don't seem to want to see homelessness, city life that's real, but they are very, very much about tech, buying land, houses, cars, and etc. They really like coffee shops and laptops, I've come to realize. Don't socialize with them at all unless you or they are an influencer, whatever that may be. Uh... <laughs> She writes, the housing market has become insane here. Only a small portion now can afford to buy a house or sell their home and do as they choose. Who are these people that can do this? They're the Californians that are coming with money. The employees whom need to move possibly because of said company relocation need apartments instead of thus cool bars, chill places, concert venues. They're all, they're all closed now due to insane high rent and condos and apartments are put up in their place filled with Californians of all kinds coming here. Now, keep in mind, many politicians want California money right here, as does California companies want the tax breaks. Texas still has horrible infrastructure, so it's not ready for these companies, but they certainly do want their money. 
I want to stress that not all of the Californians that are moving to Austin are this way. I'm friends with two former co-workers that are from California, and they are as chill as they come and very, very good people. I'm not putting them in this description, but I hope this helps you know what is happening here in Texas and Austin. Thank you very much, Wonder Kennison. So that was one of our listeners. Go ahead. Gentrification, really, it sounds like, is is kind of a microcosm of it. It does. It does. So then, all of a sudden, here we had the aforementioned Julian King. Our Julian King writes us, and uh, he, he labeled this Texas turning blue. He writes, what's up, dudes? I've been in Texas, well, I mean Austin, for two and a half years now, and Austin has been historically a blueberry in a tomato soup. But with the recent mass immigration of people from other states, and very specifically California, there is a lot of fear here about what's going to happen to Texas. It is true that policies and the reasons that Texans have been clouding for so long to say this is a great state to, to live in has finally become very appealing to people living in states with high state and city taxes. This is something Dave and I know a lot about, by the way. Barriers to entry for small businesses and less government hand in your pocket. This is what Texas is espousing. Though people are moving here from all over, California has definitely become the evil villain. There are bumper stickers that say, keep your California out of my Texas. I have actually seen on dating profiles, just moved here from California, but I'm not one of those Californians. I actually had a conversation with a guy and he said he had no problem with people moving here from California, but you have to vote the way that Texans vote. That's the trade-off. I find it quite comical. Personally, I love the idea of turning Texas blue. I saw the same thing happen in Georgia. When Hollywood and many Fortune 500 companies moved headquarters and large regional offices to Atlanta, it brought in an influx of people that had very different views and the indirect outcome was that Georgia started changing its tune on many outdated policies and stepping into the 21st century finally. You know, it took about 15 years from when Georgia passed lots of tax breaks for corporations to finally move there. You know, and we saw a huge change. The presidential race of 2020. I'd love to see the same thing happen to Texas. Enter the voting restrictions. (laughs) Moving to Texas from California, you automatically get a 13% raise on your salary because of the lack of state taxes. So if there is new legislation on the ballot to add 1% sales tax for transportation improvement, this is also what uh, Wonder Kennison was talking about, or healthcare, it's a no-brainer for someone who just moved here from out of state. You will still come out ahead. And now it's a tougher fight to pass dumbass laws like not teaching critical race theory in schools. I think Texas is going to turn purple. I do. By 2028, there are going to be some bare-knuckle brawls for power, and Ted Cruz better enjoy these next four years because he will not be reelected, and the governor will lose his re-election bid. It's, it's about to get interesting in Texas for sure. You know, thank you very much, Julian King. Great, great little uh, email and, and a lot of insight into that. And honestly, it's sort of what I was thinking too, that uh, I always say it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we're having another civil war. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in Texas. Texas is going to be ground zero for civil war too. Texas is one of those states that's got more... Uh, or at least is more known for like state pride perhaps than other, like it's part of like their identity as a Texan, right. As opposed to, you know, someone who's really proud to be from fucking Delaware, you know, (laughs) like uh, (laughs) Texas, Texas very much um, has its own kind of sense of like a a bit of a cultural identity or a, a bit of a, you know, whatever the state version well, of nationalism. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's almost like they're, you know, they want to be their own country. Like, you know, yeah. we have our own national identity. Oh, we forgot we're a state. But the thing is that that really is that Texas is its own fucking thing completely. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how this open carry thing plays out. I mean, I don't see anything good coming from it um, in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, California has long had a, a rep for for being, you know, overregulated and, and very uh, business hostile is kind of the the rep. And then, you know, Texas is known for being very non-regulatory and very business friendly. And I, and I think the, the truth there is is 
contains a lot more minutia depending on what industry and, and what regulations are you talking about. And, you know, all uh, the, that gets into the weeds on all kinds of things that we're not interested in talking about today. But as a as a general like like if, if you're going to put it on a bumper sticker, then the reputation of both states definitely does facilitate a lot of business or job movement from the one state to the other, but in the process brings a voting change uh, over time with that as well. Yeah, I think that Julian put it perfectly is that, you know, look at Elon Musk moved out there and that's basically, it was all much more beneficial to him to get shit done in a business environment. He just, you know, California was not willing to work with him in the ways that he could get shit done in Texas. And when you're starting to bring people from California, from Silicon Valley and bring them down to Austin, they spread out from there. You know, you are having an influx of liberal minded people with money rolling into town or the state or, or the country of Texas, however you want to call it. But it is all of the above. <clears throat> I just find it fascinating to me because I'm just like, why the fuck would you move there? But then when you start looking at the finances involved, you're like, well, I always follow the money. I see always how this is working. But I love the fact that, you know, Julian pointed out like, hey, man, you know, this is not the worst thing in the world because even though there's shitty fucking laws down here, you know, that are just highly mogged up, I, it can be taken down with enough influx of, you know, forward minded money people. And then I might change my tune too. But the idea of moving to any state that's just like, Oh, you're 21. Here you go. You can carry a gun and carry it anywhere you want. Load it up. Have fun. Yay. That's just insane to me. Fucking insane. So like and, I said, and the fact, the fact that that is about to become a law there it also is. further in right. But I'm saying that is a very strong indicator that, uh, Texas ain't purple yet. No, 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 no. But uh, it, like I said, it's interesting. And the 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 great thing about uh, you know Wonder Kennison is when she was writing there is you know she is a very forward thinking liberal human being has lived in Austin for several several years, and for her, you know, she sees a difference in Californians that roll into town, and there is. There is the difference, you know, like on one side. Oh, I do not doubt it. One side of the pendulum, you've got, you know, Texans. And on the other side, you've got Californians. They're both, in a way, they're stuck in their ways and their their behavior. And there's, I think there's a lot of California entitlement coming from California. Elitism. Yeah, to come to other states. I mean, I will even include myself in that. You know, I pretty much thought I was hot shit when I moved to Kentucky. Like, oh, the savages. Now I will bring them the light. You're suggesting that you still don't? There's a little of that, yeah. But, I mean, the thing is that I, I, I absolutely can see how someone rolling in from L.A. that sold their house, you know, for 400 grand... And then, you know, probably more than that, probably more than that 1.2 mil. Yeah. But came rolled into Austin and bought out something that a family, uh, you know, was working to to get and they cannot make the kind of money that you can just roll into town and buy. I mean, you know, that shit's been happening in the North versus the South since right after the civil war. And that's also the class warfare element of that as well cannot be overlooked because a lot of it does come down to haves and haves nots and 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 how people move money around to make sure that they they keep as much of it as they can. And, you know, poor people don't have that type of. Uh, mobility. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's just an interesting subject and it's and it was it started with the idea of like what the fuck is going on in Texas to what's the bigger picture here? Why does anyone go to this fucking state? And and the deal is that we have so many listeners out there and they're great listeners and they they love to spar with us and they love love to talk to us and the boy you guys did because I'm just reading two of several uh, people that that uh, commented but I thought they pretty much rep because I love the idea that you know Wonder Kennison kind of put put the the, the Californians in their place and, and at the same time you know Julian King described you know very factually this is why people are coming here and this is probably going to be a benefit over the long run so at any rate just a fascinating piece of 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 conversation and i'm glad uh, you guys were a part of it out there so thank you and where can the dozens provide such feedback jason you can always reach us at this little known email address known as ask dave and jason at excite.com because well god Damn it! Sam Kennison's awesome.
All right, let's move on to our next subject of the week. Childhood is dead, Jason. But Star Wars isn't, so I guess, therefore, I guess Star Wars is not our childhood anymore. Uh. It no longer belongs to us. But who it does belong to is Dave Filoni. He is now the, I'm, I don't know what the fucking official title is. He's the one that's going to be like overseeing the creative direction of Star Wars as a franchise and as a brand. Is that an accurate way of putting it? <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me, Dave, honestly, you have more behind. You were the one who said we wanted to talk about this, dude, so I am rolling with it. No, but- I don't know what his official job title is, but that's pretty much what's going on. Dave Filoni, and for those who don't know, he was... Um, one of the original uh, big brains, kind of showrunners behind uh, Clone Wars, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and then also he was, you know, instrumental in working with John Sa- John Favreau in the success of the Mandalorian. So, based off of that track record, um, <clears throat> you know, I'll I'll say this: the we saw an example. I mean, we saw an example of Star Wars, but I'll get to that in a moment. We saw an example with the DC universe compared to the Marvel universe, and the not only the financial success, but also the cohesiveness of vision and story, even when dealing with multiple filmmakers. If you are going to tell a multimedia, multi-film, comic book. You know, Star Wars was a, was a, a multimedia universe before multimedia universes were the thing, you know? Marvel's really kind of taken over that, that mantle as far as the, you know, the hot date at the prom, but Star Wars was doing it a lot, a lot longer. But with Marvel, you had all of that being filtered through one creative vision that being kevin feige he would have other people overseeing various elements of it depending whether it be iron man or whether but everything ran through the funnel with him at the top of it to to make sure kind of like you know mcmahon in the the 80s he was smart enough to let people do what they knew how to do well but he was still that filter at the end that would you know we're doing this, we're not doing this and this is how we're going to do this or not do this like you and that was the difference between wwf in the Attitude Era and WCW as they were faltering as well, is you had a singular vision where power flowed through and everything else was decentralized and fell apart on the other side. So we've seen that with Marvel and DC. DC originally was going to put their creative vision in Zack Snyder, and then they lost kind of faith in him, and then everything kind of got fractured, and then they've tried to hand the mantle off to various people at various times, but without ever any follow-through, and it's always been executives at Warner Brothers kind of meddling in things and no, this should go this and whatever. Star Wars was very much the same. Uh, It was always originally, for better or worse, run through the filter of George Lucas. Everything started and ended with him. He was the one that originally, you know, I believe, appointed Dave Filoni or at least had a say in that as far as when Clone Wars got off the ground. Um, When it got sold and then Kathleen Kennedy became head of Lucasfilm, they started a new Star Wars trilogy without having a singular vision as to what story they were telling. And I think, you know, I enjoy the new trilogy, not as much as the originals, but I still enjoy more so than the prequels. Um, but there's no denying that those films, as an example, were three very different things that were trying to kind of be force fed into a singular narrative because they didn't have a narrative. Um, in order for something to be successful, I believe you do need to put your chips in on a singular vision. Film is collaborative, and so is television, and, and so are so many of these creative arts. But you need to have a final creative head that is putting their vision into motion. We saw that with Favreau and The Mandalorian, and then Filoni as well as a part of that. Um, we did not have that with the most recent Star Wars trilogy. Um, you had Abrams start it, didn't know where it was going to go. Ryan Johnson put his spin on it. And then Abrams was suddenly brought back in and kind of completely reversed course on things that, you know, he didn't like from the second one or whatever it was. So to have a creative mind, assuming they follow through with this, to have a creative mind who has the pedigree in the franchise that Dave Filoni has and having him be that creative vision at the top, that Kevin Feige for Marvel, so to speak. I don't see how that could be anything but a positive 
if you're a Star Wars fan looking forward at where these future films and television shows and video games and comic books and all these other things could go in the future, so long as he is not fucked with, um, and so long as he is able to have the creative freedom that you know, he would need in order to facilitate those things. That's my, that's my uh, two cents on it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you need somebody out there that's still in touch with what the fans fucking want and a through line to the mythology. And it's, that's just part of good fucking storytelling. And the, the bigger a story, a universe and fiction gets, uh, the further away it can get away from what made it fucking tick in the first place. And I guess having someone like Dave Filoni involved is is definitely a, a plus. The interesting part about this subject is we had been asked to, we've been, people started contacting us, I think in March, April, I don't know, about to talk, talk about the Dave Filoni um, situation. But I was just like, well, I don't really know much about it. And okay, but this is something that everyone wanted us to to talk about it. But finally... Uh, it was so overwhelming that I was like, well, okay. And we do have an in-house human being called Jabaka that is, you know, the, the largest Star Wars fan in the fucking world. So I was like, well, let me just, you know, find out what this is about. He'll, he'll definitely know. Uh, but before that, one of the final people that said, you know, you really need to address this is our own Commander Cody Murray. And Commander Cody Murray was so excited about uh, this Dave Filoni situation. He sent this to us. To me, Dave Filoni is the best thing to happen to Star Wars slash Lucasfilm since Star Wars was created. This guy gets it. He knows all the lore, good and mediocre. He made the Clone Wars good for Odin's sake. I mean, I was fortunate enough to speak with him for 60 whole seconds while working on a hush-hush project. He seemed just calm, steady, organic, however you want to phrase it. He seemed like he owned the world. He may not have the studio experience that Favreau has, but his storytelling, his passion for this, his insight into what really matters to old school and beyond Star Wars fans is unparalleled. That is from Commander Cody Murray. And then to follow up, our own Joey Owens, Joe Baca, uh, added... Recently, a Star Wars fandom got very excited when Lucasfilm updated their website and fan favorite Dave Filoni was listed as an executive creative director. A lot of fans unhappy with the current Disney slash Kathleen Kennedy product Star Wars content took this to mean that both Filoni and Favreau were being given more creative control over the direction of the franchise. In reality, it was Kennedy herself who promoted Dave Filoni quite some time ago. As Filoni has detailed in The Art of the Mandalorian, Kennedy was the one who approached him as he was finishing up The Clone Wars and asked him what he would like to do in the future. With him responding that he'd like to work in live action, this is sort of what led him to collaborating with Favreau on The Mandalorian. For the immediate future, the power structure at Lucasfilm remains unchanged. The new head of Walt Disney Company, Bob Chapik, was recently asked during an investor's meeting if Kathleen Kennedy would be leaving the company anytime soon. He seemed to dismiss this question and assured the investors that Kathleen Kennedy would remain at Lucasfilm for the immediate future. So when I first approached Jobak on this, he says, you know, I understand the dozens want to hear about this, but it's sort of a non news article he goes this was done mid last year the only reason people are clamoring about it now is because literally a site was updated disney updated some lucasfilm yeah. fucking site and all of a sudden he had that you know we were trying to figure out what it was executive creative director title next to his name people freaked the fuck out like it was some surprise um promotion when it had been done in mid 2020 and also i think the reason they kept that promotion kind of under the carpet silent when when that happened or at least a new title that was given to dave filoni for doing what he was always he was already doing anyway is because i think they didn't want the divided star wars fandom out there all the marks going see kathleen kennedy sucks they're, they're moving her on her way out they're moving her on her way out like there was some sort of civil war happening in lucasfilm and in, in the which Disney. is a which is which is a false <clears throat> argument anyway because kathleen kennedy you know she's been a very effective executive over the i mean she's had her problems certainly but um, has had success as a high-level executive at Lucasfilm since the time Lucas yeah. was there. She was her, you know, his right-hand person. Um, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy has ever been considered, or even considers herself, a great creative. I, I like. I don't think that's her thing. She's, 
you know, she knows branding. She knows marketing. She knows the industry of intellectual property. But I, it's not like you're going to see, like, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie written by Kathleen no. Kennedy. Like, she's she's a delegator. No. And I don't mean that in, in any type of derogatory term. No, she's... But you need a creative head that can really oversee and be that filter that everything else gets looked at through. Yeah. And I hope that ends up being Filoni, like, because he's as good of a choice as anybody. Yeah, absolutely. He, you know, the Bad Batch was his, you know, another love letter to the fans, you know, who said, don't let the Clone Wars die. He goes, I won't. I'll just, here's here's another chapter. Here's some more Clone Wars for you guys because you fucking love it so much. He definitely has his pulse on the fans, the, the Star Wars fans. Uh, but no, Kathleen Kennedy, a lot of people, I, you know, it's, everything was all good in her camp until, you know, the sequels, the start, the Skywalker sequels came out and people took direct aim at her for what the fuck is this? And she never was able to shake it. Something interesting in your comments, actually, Dave, I never knew this about you and me. This I love these fucking go back and forth, uh, you know, conversations here on the fly that we don't prep for it. I didn't know you enjoyed the sequels more than the prequels. And yeah. I don't, I'm the opposite. I think the prequels have aged in some aspects, nicely compared to the last two um, Star Wars films. What's even more interesting to add to that is just recently, I think J.J. Abrams have came out in the most no-duh fucking comment of all time saying they really should have approached the sequels with a plan. What the fuck? So, I mean, I don't, I, you know, a lot of people blame Kathleen Kennedy for the last two films. Uh, and that's why there's such a clamoring for her to be fucking gone, which it kind of sometimes when you look at the behind the scenes looks like when her contract's up, that may very well happen. It seems like uh, George Lucas himself is trying to get back into hands-on functioning with Star Wars. John Favreau's there. Uh, we got Dave Filoni, who, you know, everyone's all gay on. But uh, it will be interesting to see the future of Star Wars and having someone like Dave Filoni there is just just great because of the fan aspect. We're like, what do these guys want to see? Because as we all know, as fans of anything, we want to see the same, but different. And there's, you know, we don't want different, different. We want the same, but a little bit different. And I think that's going to be interesting for him to be with Favreau coming up with a lot of those creative ideas. Yeah, and also you need to have a story to tell before you start worrying about how you're going to tell the story. They, like... You know, I enjoy as individual films the sequel trilogy more so than the individual films of the prequel trilogy uh, for reasons you could probably guess. Um, but there's no denying for a second, like even you know, even your most ardent prequel haters can't, I don't think, try to make the argument that the prequels didn't in the very least have a singular story vision that it was telling through the course of those three films. Uh, whereas outside of speaking in generalities, i.e., you know, Ray's journey or, or whatever that was, um, you know, you, there was not a singular story being told in, in the sequel trilogy because they didn't have a singular story to tell. They knew there was money in another trilogy. So therefore they made another trilogy. Um, and I always think that's a mistake when you put the carpet before the horse that way. Um, and I don't think Filoni would do that when left to his own devices. No, I absolutely agree. So looking forward to all the, all the future Star Wars, everything, uh, looking forward to, you know, was the book of Boba Fett that's going to be coming out later this year. And there's also, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi series. And I'm, Lando. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to look forward oh, to. Oh, for it's sure. a great universe to be mined and explored. And it, it, there's just so much good stuff that you can get into and that, you know, Disney's going to get in there and, and having Favreau Filoni in there is just absolutely great i you know i i don't have a lot of bad things to say about kathleen kennedy i think that you know there was a lot of trust put in jj abrams that you know probably he knew what he was doing and i don't think that i think that the last uh, series of star wars films were just absolutely motherfucking god awful and i you know as far as for me it all comes down to story and when you're watching it as a person who knows a little bit about storytelling i'm like you don't know what you're doing 
You have no idea. You don't know where this is going. You have no idea who Ray is. You're thinking about making that up in a couple months. You don't know what you're fucking doing. And and it was very obvious when you're watching the show. Like they they just make pulling shit out of their asses. They go. They got no. They got no idea where this fucking story is going. And by the end of it, you no one gave a fuck anyway. So the prequels, which I couldn't fucking stand, and I'll, for most of the part, I can't. I can at least look at it and go well. Lucas did have a fucking story to tell, no matter how god-awful it was. And the real problem I have with the prequels is not that it was, there wasn't a story arc. He certainly did have yeah. one. It's that, I agree. it's that there was too much on certain chapters given screen time and not enough on other chapters, which, thank God, yeah. the Clone Wars came and, and had up. But I could have, I literally could have had the whole third film of the prequels be, be Darth Vader doing some Darth Vader shit. I mean, really. And, you know, seeing the formation of the Empire. And, and there was a lot of stuff that just got stretched out far, far too long. I just didn't need to see a whole film of baby Anakin. And, you know, I just didn't need to see any of that. So the thing is, but you can't, you absolutely can't deny, no matter how piss poor the story was, or the acting, or a lot of shit involved in prequels, or, you know, at the CGI that doesn't hold up at all. Um, at least there was, he did have a fucking story to tell about a trade war that started shit and Palpatine fucking shit up politically. And he did have that down where the, the movies that came out after, you know, this last trio of Skywalker shit, just, Hey, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah. What does it mean? We'll figure it out later. I mean, these are the kind of production meetings you can see happening. So at any rate, but I, you guys requested it. So we talked about it and Dave Filoni. Yay. And John Cena. Boo. Yay. Uh, for our final subject, for our final subject of the week, uh, Jason, you talk about us being listened to in China. Is there anything you'd like to say to our China listeners? Because after this segment, that <laughs> Jesus, it could be the last time we get listened to in China. Well, for the two people that listen to us in China, I'm so fucking sorry you've got your panties in a fucking wad that John Cena actually. No, really that's the government. Up. That's not the listeners, dude. I, but they're they're structuring all these fucking. Let me finish, then you can correct me, asshole. But they're structuring it that everybody in China is fucking up in arms about this. That John Cena doing his promotional interviews all over the fucking planet Earth for this last Fast and Furious, with Fast and Furious twenty eight, whatever the fuck it is now. That John Cena's in it. He's promoting it, and he actually had the the I guess. Faux pas, gall. the gall <laughs> of calling Taiwan a country. That Taiwan is is not a country. So I guess it's now a province, China, and they're coming to take it one day by force or through some some capacity. The well, let's let's very quickly. Uh, uh, sorry, Jason, but let's give a little yeah, absolutely, because some people may have absolutely no knowledge. Uh, Taiwan has been a very um, hot button issue to the Chinese government uh, for a very long time where Taiwan has its own government. Taiwan considers itself its own country. China very much says, no, you are still a territory of China. And they get very, very upset if anybody uh, disagrees with their, their stance on that. I remember actually um, it was one of the first things people like who follow the politics of it got up in arms on when when Trump first took office because he got a go- a call from the Taiwanese president and he accepted the the call and you know and and a lot of people that follow the international diplomacy stuff were like oh he shouldn't have done that because that immediately puts him in and you know across China blah 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 like and I, and I think <laughs> given all the shit that was gonna happen I was like. Let him take the call from Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, that's the least of it. <laughs> if that's the worst thing that happens this week, then uh, we're living good lives. But um, I remember that being a thing, like, it, it, and people were saying, oh, what a fupa to do that or whatever. Um, so, so John Cena in an interview, just, I forget, I think it was in the context of, he was saying where fast nine was being distributed or who was seeing it first or something. And he, he, and I think he was speaking Mandarin too at the time. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus Christ, give the dude a break. And, but, but what he, he was saying is that Taiwan was going to be the first country that gets to see it. Yes. And, uh, nope, can't have that. Now I will say this, John Cena has, and I understand why gotten a ton of shit from government you know, for the United States government from uh, media figures or whatever for quote-unquote kowtowing to China. Jason, I know you are very much not a fan of the uh, apology that he gave. We will discuss that in a moment. Um, I will, to a degree, come to the defense of John Cena on this in the sense that I don't think was this was a decision that John Cena had unilateral authority to make. Uh, 
It would not surprise... Fast 9 is the current one. Fast and Furious is such a big money... Like, China is such a massive part of their um, economic outlook. It would not surprise me if there was a pre-existing contractual clause that required them to use certain language during interviews and and to avoid certain topics when when dealing with Chinese media and Chinese hot button topics that Cena just through sheer, you know, just by accident, he, he kind of stepped stepped right into. Um, so the apology, I don't really blame him on. Um, I think. I think there's fingers to be pointed in regards to how business is allowing the Chinese government to dictate how these private citizens from other countries are able to discuss things or not discuss things or live their lives or not live their lives and whatnot. I think that is a fair, fair criticism, fair discussion to have. I think that is a much bigger thing than John Cena. I think John Cena was an unfortunate little cog in a much bigger machine and the machine is the problem and that he was just a symptom of that problem in that moment. I don't think he had a lot of choice but to give a, an apology because I think if he didn't, like it's his it's his first time in the Fast franchise. He's essentially replacing The Rock because The Rock and Vin Diesel had issues, um, even though he's playing a different character. Um, and, you know, in one of his early promotionals, he he possibly could get them booted out of the entire country. I don't blame Sean Cena for this. I blame the entire economic structure where all of these studios are willing to bend over backwards and put up with whatever human rights violations a country is committing in order to turn that Chinese profit that forced John Cena into doing this type of apology. I actually don't think Cena is the problem, but that's my that's my take. Jason, go ahead. Well, I agree with you 100% on that. It's not that I'm anti-John Cena. I think the guy's awesome. I really do. I, I, There was a time where I was like, I don't give a shit about John Cena to really respect and admiring the dude a lot and not just wrestling or acting, just him as a person. Um, so the thing is that this is not an anti John Cena thing, but it certainly does, uh, magnify how fucked up this situation with China is. And, you know, when you're talking, you know, the, the outrage that, that I have for, you know, a, a communist country, a communist government going to Taiwan and reestablishing that they're in control, they're taking back over when Taiwan has taken care of itself just fine under the guise of, you know, democracy and as human rights violations will happen even further in Taiwan as China clutches them even harder around their imperial fist. And well, look to, at what's happening in Hong Kong, right? Absolutely. There it's a bullshit government. And that's the bottom line. China, fuck you. Fuck, you know, fuck the government, basically. Fuck you, Chinese government. And and the thing is... Jason uh, Bailey just ensured he will never be part of the Fast and Furious well, franchise. I, I, they can suck my long schlong. And the thing is, because the way you treat your people, you're just, you know, complete, you know, organized pieces of shit. And that's what needs to be said. And I think what's amazing about the United States of free enterprise is you've got... And this is, to me, it is the... You'll have to, because Dave, I'm sure you're not, you might not be comfortable with what I'm getting ready to say, but for a lot of listeners out there, I hope you do understand what I'm getting ready to say. When all this shit was going down in Taiwan and their protests were happening, uh, Chinese getting their, their fists back around them and gripping down and there'd be these protests that were being shut down and, you know, the stand with Taiwan kind of rhetoric was happening, you know, in the United States of America and you had NBA players or you had people in the NBA that would tweet out, you know, we should support Taiwan. They were told to shut the fuck up right quite the fuck away, right away. Okay. Now these are the same people that espouse Black Lives Matter's rhetoric all the fucking time, which I get because it should but also, we're talking about human beings over there, too, being beat the fuck down and having rights taken away, okay? But because the money is so goddamn important to the NBA, to Hollywood, to everybody in the United States of America that has a company, they are going to suck China off because they are basically being held captive, like John Cena. When I saw his, his apology interview taped thing do you know what it reminded me of dave like when they've got the hostage down in the fucking oh, yeah. basement and they take the hood off and say say what we told you to say and fucking hear something real quick yeah 
Uh, just just for clarification, uh, Hong Kong and and Taiwan are two different yeah. scenarios because Hong Kong is not is not based in Taiwan. No. So the 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 recent Hong Kong protests and stuff that is separate mm-hmm. from the dispute over whether Taiwan is or is not a part of China. Now, what has happened is as Hong Kong has come under uh, martial law essentially from China. Uh, Taiwan has very much seen a threat there of what could be in the future for them as, as things continue. But just to clarify, Hong Kong is not in Taiwan. No. It's, those are two different things. But it was sounding like we were conflating them as the same. No, no, wanted, no. I want to clarify. But this was, this was what? I'm, I'm talking about, what was it, a year and a half ago? Because it's been, the COVID took over my whole fucking brain here. But when this first started being like, China is coming back to motherfucking town here, to Taiwan. Okay, that I it really started. I, you know, you were just like, well, I don't know where we should go with this, but we should support the human condition. But at no matter what cost, we should, we really should. But it goes to show you that when American dollars are on the fucking line and you can make money over in China and these businesses, no matter if they're entertainment businesses, their cars, whatever the fuck it is, it just seems like we are sucking off the Chinese all the fucking time now. And like, like I said, when they literally, when John Cena, I guess himself, uh, basically is smart enough to know, I need to fucking do some goddamn damage control here, big time, is that when he went on there, it just looked like a hostage, being told what to fucking say. He to, was in an impossible position to, at that to point. A, He's fucked either yeah, way. Yeah, to a government that's a piece of shit, that's like, you, we'll take our billions of dollars the fuck away from you if you ever say that... Taiwan's a country again. Don't ever fucking say that. You should have never fucking said it. And it's just, it really makes me sick to my fucking stomach. Because as a human being, if you believe that money doesn't make this world everything that it fucking is, that's a perfect example right there. He didn't even mean to say anything. He wasn't being political. John Cena wasn't trying to make a statement at all. He fucking slipped the fuck up. He slipped up when he said something. Honestly, that didn't even, he wasn't even trying to draw a comparison at all or even bring anything to the forefront. But now that the damage is done, oh, now he's got to be a little pussy and suck ass. And this is what every American company that has said, you know, we really should try to get a, a support the people that China is beating the fuck down through our social media. Oh, no, if you're part of a company, you shut the fuck up. Because honestly, you don't have the, you have the balls to say shit about Black Lives Matter or Asian Lives Matter or things like this. But when it comes to a communist government that has all the fucking money for you, you ain't got shit to say now, do you? You wouldn't say shit if you had a mouth full of it. If it was fucking Cuba doing this, oh, the NBA would have no goddamn problem. Hollywood would have no goddamn problem saying shit about Cuba. But it's China. Oh, shut the fuck up and look down. I mean... America has become China's financial economic bitch. We are their bitch. And I mean, it's just another example of us not standing up at all. And we won't stand up. As long as we have money to be made in China, which we do, we ain't saying shit about the people that are literally being handicapped and beat down and taken the rights taken away from them, human rights, and just the human condition being beaten out of them. And it will be. And we, we got ain't. And not one motherfucking word from the United States of Free Enterprise about that. And what would Gordon what would Gordon Gecko say as to why that is, Jason? You don't think we're living in a democracy, do you? Come on, bud. No, I was, I was waiting for the line. The line it's from Free that Enterprise. Movie. Oh, you want to know the line? <sighs> Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. There it is. There it is. And that's our show this week. Any final thoughts, Jason? I just want to say thank you to all you guys out there. You pretty much goddamn produced and wrote this show. So thank you for us not doing much of goddamn anything. We should do this all speak, the time. Speak for yourself, Jason. Uh, as far as not doing anything, not, not, I'm not, I'm not uh, disparaging your thanking of the dozens. I am uh, disparaging your looking over the work that I put into the show oh every week. Oh, my God. Okay. And on that note, uh, I am Dave Beaudry. And I am still your Jason Bailey. And we are one day closer to dead, but that day is not and will not be today. So until next week, ladies and gents and anything in between.